Like after my first mushroom experience, I was like, I don't even recognize myself. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. If this is your first time with us, welcome to the show. I am your co-host, Eric Osborne. In this episode, Courtney and I will be talking with Laura Lee Binstock. Laura Lee is the host of a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast and editor-in-chief of Authentic Insider Magazine. And Laura Lee is a thriver indeed. She is not afraid to really talk about what she's been through and use that as an opportunity to help others share their story as well. She's got several uh, incredible projects in the works, including a children's book and a documentary around psychedelic wellness. Laura Lee shares with us in this episode her journey through recovery that includes, of course, psilocybin. With no further ado, let's just get right on to this great episode. Don't forget to check out every Monday night on Psilocybin Live, streamed via YouTube. You can jump in and be a part of the conversation. We're getting better and better every week. Hope to see you there, and I hope you enjoy this show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Psilocybin Says. This is Courtney Rose. And Eric Osborne. We are here with the beautiful Laura Lee Benstock. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura Lee. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. I feel very honored to be invited on to speak with you too. Well, now that you've got some psilocybin experiences under your belt, you fit right into the lineup. So Courtney and I are eager to hear about uh, the work that you've been doing with psilocybin. Maybe first though, you could just give our audience a little more detailed uh, information about the projects that you work on. Well, I'm currently I, I currently host a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Um, I'm also editor in chief of Authentic Insider. So those are my main projects that I have continuously going. Um, a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast pretty much started. Um, it was birth during the pandemic. And right after I received treatment for um, PTSD, um, I went into residential treatment in February of 2020 for childhood sexual abuse. I unknowingly struggled with um, that trauma for 25 years. And I had, you know, um, my, my last suicide attempt was February 2020, which kind of put me in a position where I needed to get help. My husband was like, okay, we need to find you a treatment center where you can figure this out. And I, that, at this point, I didn't talk about my, um, my trauma, my PTSD, but I, I did. And he was like, we can, we can find a way to work through this. And I went into treatment for 31 days in Arizona. And it was literally the best thing that could have happened to me. You know, they say your breakdown becomes your breakthrough, and that was exactly what had happened. But when I, you know, when I was finally able to say what had happened to me, I actually gave others permission to be able to say what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them were like, "Me too. This happened to me, and I haven't talked about it either." And 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 
there were a number of things that kind of started the podcast, a lot of work that I was working on, um, TV scripts and, and stuff like that. But I, the podcast came from this whole idea of I need other people to know that they're not alone because I felt for 25 years like I was the only person in the world who was sexually abused. And I was abused by my father, which made it even more difficult to say out loud. And now I can say it out loud, thank goodness. And I think that happened because of treatment. That started. The magazine started. I... I, in, in one of my interviews, I interviewed someone who actually did do MDMA assisted therapy and I, they connected me to that person. And so it goes, I started doing a lot of work with, um, psychedelic. I know that MDMA is not considered a classic psychedelic, but I think that is actually what I needed to kind of move me forward into my mushroom experiences. But yeah, a lot of projects in the works, a psychedelic documentary. I, I feel like, yes, I got a lot of help from, you know, all of these different holistic um, healing methods. But I feel like the psychedelics actually help put everything together. So I wanted to do a lot more in informing people about psychedelics and what that actually did for me. Yeah, I have a children's book that's that I'm working on. There's just a, there's literally my brain. Once I was able to uncover all the trauma, my brain just exploded with information that I needed mm. to get out there. <laughs> there's so many, so many questions I have for you. First, Please. I want to say, <laughs> first, thank you for just opening right up to um, your experience with trauma and getting that specific right before you said by me telling my story it gave permission for other people to tell their story that's exactly what i was thinking like oh yes thank you Lorelei, because that's it by sharing our own experiences we can it helps other people feel so much more comfortable sharing theirs so thank you for doing that here for oh, us thank you yeah and i you know that's Aside from your psilocybin experiences, I mean, the, the real reason that I suggested that we speak with you is because you have just been so authentic. You've been so real with your with your story in the last you know year and a half or so that I've been following you your, in your work. And it is it, it's inspirational. It's incredible. So, you know, I want to just thank you for as much for helping others share their own as for relieving the pressure for all of us we are a collective and as any of us moves forward in the healing process we all move forward in the healing process absolutely thank you thank you that touched me <laughs> maybe if you could share a little bit about mdma, MDMA. I, I appreciate how you expressed that mdma allowed you to move into psilocybin and i think there is a lot of value in exploring what you mean behind that well um the my my guide um we discussed mdma because i think the trauma that i had experienced um was still it was still raw even though i was able to talk about it there's still parts of it that was really really difficult for me to understand and process and and realize it wasn't my fault the thing about the MDMA, which this is what I was told, is that it suppresses your fear and anxiety part of your brain. 
So you're able to see everything with compassion. And that's kind of what really happened. When I actually thought about the abuse that I had um, experienced from my father in my MDMA experience, I actually, it's, it was like I, I was watching a film in my head of my father's childhood and he had experienced abuse and his you know, brothers and sisters had experienced abuse. And I wasn't angry at that point. And then it, I became, I, I felt empathy. I felt, I felt bad for him. And it was just like, he just didn't know better for the longest time. I was angry. I'm not saying that I forgive him, but I understand what happened. Mm. And then I, you know, and then I did the MDMA again, you know, there was a lot to unpack there, but then I did the MDMA again about four months later and then it kind of, I, at that point, I had cut off my mom because she was like, can you just forget what happened? Because we want to see our grandchildren. And I'm like, no, I'm not bringing my grandchildren to, near you. And then during that experience, even though it didn't, you know, it's MDMA is said to not allow you to feel fear and anxiety. I was still feeling like some sadness. And I, I started imagining something bad happening to my daughter. And it was freaking me out. And I was like, oh, I don't want to feel this. Why am I feeling this? And then, you know, my therapist was like, okay, well, stay with that. Why are you, why are you, why are you feeling this? What, what are you connecting this to? And immediately I was just like, my mother, my mother feels like she's lost me. And that the only way to not feel that awful feeling that I had felt was for her to pretend it never happened. So that was her using it as her survival mode. So I was able to be to move forward because I was angry. I was like, why the hell would my mom would say, just forget about it. But then after that second MDMA experience, it was like, I'm no longer angry at them, but I don't want to have anything to do with them because mm. they're still toxic. And I think I needed that to happen. I think I needed to be okay with it. Who knows what would happen with the mushrooms? It could have, I could have felt more anger. I don't know. I mean, mm. I'm sure that the, the psilocybin tells you what you need to see or hear, um, to understand. But I think at that moment, I needed more compassion for them for me to be able to move forward. When I decided that my next session, I actually decided I wanted to do LSD because when I was younger, I actually had a really bad trip on mushrooms. And it was because I was 16. The abuse happened when I was about 10 years old. I literally suppressed it, never thought about it again. And when I was 16, I ate these mushrooms. Mind you, I was drinking and I was smoking. I was doing all kinds of stuff. I don't know if I even took other pills, but um, I saw the abuse and it wouldn't leave my brain. Mm -hmm. And I, it was terrifying. It was awful. And I really thought the only way I could get out of this is if, you know, something bad happened to me. Luckily, my friends found me and we were okay. But it was an awful experience. And I'm like, I never want to do that again. You know, fast forward. 20 something years later, I when I was watching, I was watching a documentary about mushrooms and, you know, they were telling you they, there was, there was a healing component to it. I was like, wow, really? And then I thought about my own experience and I was like, it was telling me that I needed to heal this child, ch childhood sexual abuse. I didn't want to think about it at that point, but the psilocybin said, you need to, you needed to figure that out. Mm. So I was like, I was still a little iffy about doing the um, psilocybin. So I was really focused on the LSD, but we couldn't make the LSD session work. And they were like, we could do the psilocybin. And I was like, you know what? I, f I f just you saying that I feel very open to that. And so let's do it. 
and I did it and it, I, and I, you know, I had to set intentions each time, you know, my guide therapist is, she says, let's set an intention. My intention was, I felt like I had a lot of trapped energy, a lot of trapped anger, a lot of traps, just sadness, just everything. And I just wanted it all released. So the psilocybin, um, I did it. And I literally cycled through every single emotion that you could possibly experience over and over again. I'm like, and what was interesting was the feeling of the the anxiety, the fear, those feelings, they felt like they lasted forever. And that the, the moments of like sheer joy was just so minimal. My guide later told me that it was basically equal parts each emotion. It just felt like more with the, the, the sadness and the, um, the, the, you know, anxiety. But <laughs> she said after the like fourth cycle that I went through it, I actually started involuntarily doing like box breathing exercises and calming myself down. Like my brain immediately said, okay, we can work through this. Mm. And it was just, and now I'm able to go into like box breathing or just remove myself from the situation instead of just really sitting in it because I don't know where to go. I have now these tools where I can shift my, my way of thinking. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens so much more than it happened before. Mm -hmm. um, so, wow. Two very little... different experiences between the MDMA and the psilocybin mushrooms. Like yeah. The healing that they bring comes in such different ways. <laughs> so different. It's so different. And it, it cleared my head. I felt like the psilocybin really cleared my head in a way that it made me understand that I, there are messages everywhere. I'm just not seeing it because it's just layered mm. with all of everything that we're told that we need to do in life. You know, eight months before my psilocybin trip, I um, was interviewed by a woman who was like a, a medium for, for animals. After our interview, she talked to me and was like, I have to tell you something. I'm getting some information from your maternal grandmother. I've never met my maternal grandmother ever. Like she died years, like 20 years before I was even born. She died a long time before I was born. And she, this woman said, she's telling you that you need to let go of what's happening. I'm seeing, I'm seeing statues around you and I'm seeing all of these things. And I'm like, what is she talking about? And then, you know, I was like, okay, I don't know what she was talking about. So I'm just going to move on. We'll just um, close the conversation. During my psilocybin trip, I got a flashback of me when I was a child, when I was 12 years old. My family's from the Philippines and my grandfather was living in the U.S. with us and he passed away. So when he passed away, we went to take his body to the Philippines. They don't have standards there. We want my mom wanted to dig up her. They She wanted to create a mausoleum for my grandparents. And so we I, this is very graphic, but they they pulled they went to exhume the coffin and it was like us and the family. I didn't know this was going to happen. So they, they exhumed her, her coffin was in tatters and then they start pulling out her bones and they start pulling out her, like for like 
10 a 12 year old child this is traumatic (laughs) so i'm like sitting there like what the hell is happening nobody's talking to me about nobody even told me that this was going to happen and then i realized that during my my mushroom trip i was like holy shit that was my mother my grandmother telling me i needed to let go of what was just happening what 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 i experienced because nobody talked to me about it it was just a shock and so when my my guide, my therapist was just like, wait, you actually saw your grandmother's bones? And I'm like, yes. And I never talked about it. And I, I mean, I, we have pictures of it. And I remember being surrounded by these statues from tombstones. Mm. And so it was just insane to me that the wow. mushroom showed me that too. Wow. So just incredible. <laughs> so, so clarification, this is your first mushroom trip. You're this is my first mushroom trip. Okay. Yes. It was and, done November. And, and how did you process that? How did you integrate and work with the material that came out of that? I realized that there was just a lot of things that happened in my childhood that were wrong. And if they weren't wrong, they weren't discussed with me. No mm-hmm. one told me they're going to exhume my, my grandmother's body and I'm just going to see it. No one... And that kind of developed into all of the other things that I was just told to do, but was never talked to about these things. Like, you do this, no questions asked. You experience this, no questions, just just you deal with it kind of thing. And I realized that that's not, I need to be curious about everything that happens. If I, if, if there is a feeling that I'm experiencing that I need to be curious about it and I need to wonder where that, that feeling's coming from and I can question it. And if I feel like it's coming from an outside source, I need to be okay with saying, Hey, you know, you said this and this didn't sit well with me. At that point, it was really all about resolving any kind of personal turmoil and this happened to me right after that, that that mushroom trip. Someone said something along the lines, like one of my friends, like, oh, you put too much pressure on your kids. And I I absorbed that and was just like stewing on it for days. Do I put pressure on my kids? So I like talked to my daughter and I was like, do you feel like I make you do all of these different sports or are these the things that you want to do? And she was like, well, I do it to make you happy. I was like, oh, that's not the answer I wanted. (laughs) I want you to want to do these things. And then I got to explore that. And then that that evolved into a a discussion about how I want my daughter to do things that make her happy, not what makes other people happy. And then I was able to talk to my friend about like, you know, that that comment that you made was not cool. And then she then she was just like, I honestly didn't feel mean for it to be malicious I just it was just something that I was thinking and I said it and I should probably have been better about how I said it or not said it at all and I was able to move past that and I think that's with everything in life wow I just want to take a moment to (laughs) honor your process and recognize how the word that comes to my mind is just beautiful um the evolution of your journey is and hearing you talk about intergenerational stories and ways of going about life and just like cultural things that have been passed on to you, uh, passed on to your mother from her parents and then on to you. And then now you're 
having the self-awareness to recognize where like, okay, wait a second. Like this is where I get to pass it on to my daughter or not or right. do things differently. And it's just such an amazing process and ability that you're tapping into that is just so awesome. Well, thank you. It, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. I, I think we always were like, we want to do what's best for our child, but sometimes we don't have the self-awareness to know mm -hmm. that. And I feel like the psilocybin actually really was like, yes, it opened my mind to all of these things that weren't even a thought before. In a, a recent retreat that we had, there was a lady there who was sharing some similar you know, background. And she mentioned her grandmother saying kind of similar to your mother, like, well, let's just, let's just forget about all that. Let's just keep the peace. Let's just keep the peace. Mm -hmm. And it struck me. I remembered my grandmother and how much I could see her. I can still see her biting her tongue to keep the peace and thinking, how many peacekeeping grandmothers and mothers because they didn't want to upset the man of the house or whatever have just passed down dysfunctional behavior or trauma, however you want to look at it. Um, and it's, I'm grateful that we're in a time where we're that's, that's shifting drastically and we have fine, you know, women are more so able to speak. And I still find myself, you know, having to forget or unlearn mm -hmm. patterns of behavior to allow even my children to speak for themselves. Right. That was another thing like children yeah. be seen, not heard. And, right. and you know, the, the women just put up with all the bullshit and yeah, it's uh, you know, I feel, I feel gratitude for your husband as well. Cause I feel like he must be someone that is, um, obviously allowing you that space to really not only work through your process, but to share it publicly. Yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah, lots of, lots of respect for, for him and you in this situation. Thank you. Yes. And, he's a good man. Yeah. yeah. So I appreciate can, him. Can you, uh, can you take us into your second experience with mushrooms? They're seldom the same. No, they are. This one. Yeah. This one was very drastically different. Um, <laughs> I tried to set my intent. Honestly, I, the ignorance that I had thinking like, I think I've healed all my trauma. I think I can move forward and now just think about what I can do for myself and, you know, like in my, and what, and creating things. I was so wrong. Mushrooms were like, um, no, no, we, you still have a lot more to work through. And, um, it really showed me that I had a lot of fear that I was still harboring from so many um, things. That was the theme, fear. Like I was like, oh, this is going to be a great trip and I'm going to be able to do all these wonderful things with whatever I process. No, it was like, let me show you how much fear you still are holding. And um, I was getting flashbacks of my childhood. I had some really, I had, a, there have been a lot of, um, suicides um, in my life, um, friends, um, very odd uh, deaths, um, 
someone, you know, it, it was, just, there was just a lot. And so in processing that, I'm like, why am I seeing all of this stuff? I'm, I was seeing that the reason why I guess I, I gave up. So I would, this is my fear. My fear is that I would experience some sort of failure or I would experience some sort of sadness or I, I would experience something that I did not want to feel. And I would just give up. It would just showed me so many things, but one of the, but the fear was the main thing. And in, in weeks after it still showed me fear. And, and right now that that was just a couple weeks ago when I did that mushroom trip, okay. um, and I'm realizing I have this fear of money, like a really really innate fear of money, and it's because um, I felt like it was used against me a lot to like you know well I'll give you this but you have to do this or whatever, um, and you know and it was interesting because. Throughout the whole week, this is something that came up last week, this idea of money. Um, I get very uncomfortable talking about money and numbers. You know, someone passes me a check, like, at the um, um, at a restaurant, and they're like, hey, figure out tip. I immediately freak out inside, and I'm like, okay, sure, where's my phone? Like, oh, you can't figure out the 20% of that? And honestly, I probably could, but um, as a child – when um and I, I don't know if this is how it is in the public school system um wherever i, I know that it's different but i used to be timed to do math problems mm-hmm. like i would it was like okay you have and it would freak me out and my mom when she would teach me math because my mom had zero patience for me she would literally slam her hand on the desk and scream at me and i would cry and then i would just have so much anxiety when it came to anything with numbers um, and the reason why I noticed there, the, the difference between how I was raised to look at numbers and how my, for instance, my daughter, she, she goes to a school that's based on field education. You do the work, you, you have a curriculum and you go out, you have field trips almost every day to work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that the kids do who are working with multiplication, um, they take them to Costco, they figure out, you know, the unit, you know, how much how can you get the best bang for your buck? Um, you figure out the unit, uh, how much each bulk thing costs. And what they do is then they buy, they figure it out, they buy it, and then they package it up and they deliver it to the homeless people to the homeless shelters. Mm. And I'm like, that is just a beautiful way to just teach children instead of saying, you need to do this at a time. Like, is why is people, why are people timing me to do math? Um, mm-hmm. Does this school and, have a website? Because <laughs> um, I need to <laughs> study yeah, it's, it's, this. I feel like, I feel like most schools should be doing it that way. Like then when they're learning about anatomy, they go to, um, they go to an open heart surgery. They are able to be in an amphitheater to see it. Like this is wow. the 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 work that they do there. I was just like, oh my god, why didn't they have this for me when I was growing up? Because it's like you do the work and you're like, why do I need this? Mm-hmm. But they actually show you. Wow. So and I, yes, so um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting some trauma flashbacks to Sister Bernadine and her ruler on my hand. Oh, for sister my algebra. Oh god, yes. I, have, I have similar issues around numbers and and money. Uh, Yeah. Maybe that's why I like Excel spreadsheets so much because I didn't experience that. 
Oh, oh you're so I, lucky. I, yeah, no, I fucking panicked. <laughs> I, I, I mean, see, it wasn't the myself. best experience. Like, we didn't go on Costco field trips <laughs> to, like, do, you know, public service projects and all that. But we sat in a desk and crunched numbers on a timer. But Really? Didn't, yeah. I did, I did not. I was very fortunate. I did not get, you know scrutinized for reprimanded what what was your intention going into that mushroom trip you didn't I, I, you kind of uh, like alluded to it but you didn't say directly oh my okay so in going into it so i i wanted to grow what i'm doing my business as a creator i am terrified of business the idea of business like numbers it's like that's what it is um but i knew i had i i had potential and this is something that i've i also saw in my psilocybin trip everyone telling me you have so much potential but i never ever followed through because in in my house failure was never an option if you failed i'm pulling you out like you you did swim class and you almost drowned we can't you're not going you're not doing swim class anymore you're doing gymnastics and like you got hurt and cried we're pulling you out like this was this was this was the message that I've gotten my entire life as a child. Um, so the thing with business is it's money and it scares me. And therefore, this is what has been holding me back literally forever. Even when I got my first job out of college, I was a I was a reporter and I was making like very little money, but they were paying for my suits and my hair and my makeup. But I was literally living, literally living off a box of pizza for a week and eating ramen. So it was, and I was like, oh, that's okay. That's okay. I can totally work for free because I'm very fortunate that I even am able to get this job. Um, and that's kind of how I looked at everything I did. I worked for free a lot. Mm. And and I think there's a point where I was just like, I'm, I'm, it's okay. I'm doing the podcast for free. It's no big deal. I, you know, I'm creating this magazine for free. It's no big deal. I just want people, I want people to be able to, ex, you know, hear other people's experiences and know that they're not alone. And I think that's enough. But then there becomes a point where I'm creating these things and it's taking away the time I can be spending with my children or mm -hmm. I could be doing other things. Um, to help my children while they are at school. And then I started to feel kind of resentful of how much work I've been, I was doing for free, literally for the majority of my life. Um, always scared to ask for a raise, always terrified. Um, and when they lo would lowball me, I'll be like, yeah, sure. They're offering me something. And so I was in, in something like a business and trying to create that yourself, I had a lot of fear with the money, with just failing. And because if I, the thing is with, with businesses, you have to fail to grow. You have yeah. to fail to learn. Nobody taught me that. That's literally something that I just, I'm unlearning mm -hmm. constantly. I need to be okay with failing. Um, and publicly, most likely. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. Very yeah. much so. Yeah, yeah. So, There's a yeah. big one. I heard yeah. a, a TED talk recently with an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, a female talking about how talk about fortunate. Um, she, her dad, she grew up with her dad asking her every single day when she got home, uh, he, he would ask her, okay, tell me what you failed at today. And 
she was like, oh, well, this and that didn't go very well. And he'd go, great. All right, let's try it again. And then if she did, if she couldn't come up with anything that she failed at, uh, he'd be like, okay, come on. Like, let's just. <laughs> I know there's something learn. you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, but in like reframing it in a very positive yeah. way, like it's great to fail. It's good to make mistakes. Like it's a great thing. It's part of life. Yeah, so that sticks it. with me. So this is really interesting, though. Your intention going into the trip was, as it sounds like, was kind of creative focus, business development. How do I expand and, and improve my projects and what I'm doing? And it sounds like you were saying that you felt like you were going to go into this with like this kind of like maybe like all this creativity come <laughs> out of it, all this exactly. inspiration come out of it, exactly. and you got slaughtered with fear. Mm -hmm. Right. But now as you're stepping back from it and you're acknowledging how this confrontation with your fear directly relates to your business. Exactly. My yeah. brain was blown. <laughs> this uh, is only two weeks ago. This is two weeks ago. I, wow, I can't even a long explain. Way in, your, in your integration process already. Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm literally just sitting there just like, Oh, like light bulbs every day. Like that makes a lot of sense. So, so in, in the trip, in the mushroom experience, what you said it was fear around death and something happening to your children and that kind of stuff. Is that right? Well, that was the, well, it was mostly failure. I think okay. it was, I think that there was, I had, I had there, I had a reasonable amount of fear because of certain things that I've experienced in my childhood with losing, okay. you know, um, people in my life. Um, so I had, uh, you know, my, my guide validated that fear. Of course, you're fearful. You had ex these experiences, but you're not in those experiences anymore. Mm -hmm. That was that. And so it was more of separating myself from that. Um, and understanding, yes, of course, I was. I had fear for because of certain things that have happened in my life, um, and then it kind of moved on to failure and the fear for fa failing. And even though I was, I failed and I was pulled out and all of that stuff back then, it was like now I don't have to be in that in the past. That was that was before. I can unlearn all of those things that I learned um, that I was hammered into my brain that, you know, failure is not good. And so it was the integration part was what am I, what's happening in my life now where I need to fear all of these things? And the answer is nothing. There is no reason. There's nothing stopping me except for my past experiences and I just need to, I, I need to let go of that, validate the fact that, yes, I had reason to have fear back then. I had, I, you know, it was wrong that I was pulled out of things because I failed, because failure wasn't, was not an option. But I need to understand that they didn't understand when they were pulling me out of these things and telling me that failure was not an option is that there was, there was this ability to grow. And I, I think that's what needed to really really show me what was happening what i need to do is just be able to let go of mm. of all of that yeah you know i'm just continually amazed by what seems like 
an intelligence in the medicine itself. Yeah. You know? um, and it's always it's kind of funny how, you know, we said these intentions, which, you know, there's a lot of value and I, I find very helpful to have an intention in going into my experiences. But I can't, I don't think they've ever worked out like <laughs> I thought they were going to work out, you know, but, but somewhere down the road, you see these little, these pieces start to come together and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it, it is actually moving in that direction, <clears throat> just not in the way that I expected it to. Right. Were, were you in, in the, this second one in particular, were you, were you resistant to the experience, the fear or, or did you just give yourself over to it? How, how, how do you feel, feel about that? I, I gave myself over to it. I felt it fully. I, you know, it's interesting that you said that. Yes, I, I, I feel like you can set an intention and you're, it will happen. It's just the problem is setting the expectation. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what the, the issue was with me thinking like, oh, my intention is to grow. And like you said, find all this inspiration and all that. It, it was, but that's, that's not what needed to happen. I needed to let go of the fear. The fear was what was holding. Well, me back. and the fear is what, yes, yeah, preventing the growth, right? So now exactly. that you've gone through the fear, you'll get through the growth. It reminds me of this experience that I've been talking about a little bit here lately in, in private circles. I don't think I've talked about it publicly, but I had a experience in Jamaica, maybe two years ago, Courtney was away and, uh, I was going to take a dose with a buddy and, you know, I went into this experience just like, show me joy. I'm ready to just mm-hmm. embrace life and experience joy. And the trip itself rapidly turned into six of the most terrifying, grueling, nightmarish hours of my life. I, I completely oh. thought I was in a, on a prison planet and the only way out was to kill myself. And like, I just, there's like still a little kernel of self-preservation. That's just like, okay, I get through this, get through this, get through this, get through this. The next day after I started processing the experience with the person who I had dosed with, it was like this cloud just started to lift. And I had about maybe six weeks of the most pure joy that I have Mm. ever experienced in my life. And it's still like, I don't know, like what I, what I did similar to yours, I came to understand that my paranoia was that, you know, this, this kind of fear that the world's out to get me and that it's an unsafe place is what prevents me from experiencing that life of joy. And until I could directly face that, just like your fear until I could directly face that I was not going to be able to experience the joy that I was looking for. And it's just, it, it is just amazing. The, again, the intelligence, the roundabout way that we go at coming, getting to the answer, you know, we have the subconscious almost has to trick the conscious mind in order to get over those hurdles that are or to be able to see those hurdles because like we're always like because the conscious mind is so powerful it's able to just shove all that shit aside you know i mean you you live for how many years being able to not be conscious of the abuse 
Yeah. Yeah. Insane. So it's just, uh, yeah, the, <clears throat> the mind is an incredible thing. That reminds me a lot of, uh, have you all ever heard of progressive muscle relaxation? Yes. Yeah. And part of that is where you, you clench, mm-hmm. like you tighten your muscles, like, mm, and then hmm. by doing that mm. over and over, mm. you can progressively mm. relax more and more and more. Mm. Yeah. I don't, that came up for me hearing hmm. both of you talk about uh, those experiences and just like, that's kind of like facing the fear, like, okay, yes. here we go, I'm gonna go right into it. Wow. And then I can come out on the other side, more relaxed. Absolutely. Very interesting. I absolutely believe that. So you touched on something else earlier that uh, didn't see coming at all, but I can't help but go back to it. And that is the, um, the animal medium. Uh, and I'm, oh, curious, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious what your kind of engagement with, I don't know, the other world is. What What's your your philosophy around spirituality or, you know, just you, all of that? You know, since my, um, you know, I feel like I was pretty agnostic for a lot of my life. I was, I grew up Catholic and then, you know, I felt like I was agnostic and, you know, I, I converted to Judaism. Um, and, but I do feel that we're all, everything, well, it's fact that we are all made of energy, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that energy doesn't necessarily, like, die with us. That energy um, flourishes. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still working through it, right? I'm still understanding it. You know, when, um, when I imagine my daughter asking me, like, you know, what happens when you die? You know, I imagine telling her, like, you know, we, we are put back into the ground, then we feed the soil that, that, you know, creates the plants, creates the trees, that creates the oxygen that helps us, you know, like live and 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 a lot of that i feel like is true um well obviously i I think that's that's mostly like science but um i do believe that our energy um is dispersed um you know sometimes i kind of toy in my mind um with um reincarnation but i i'm you know i'm not really sure i feel like there we we do leave energy um on this earth um but i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure how you know it's one of those things i'm just continuously working on mm-hmm. have you ever had a, a psychic kind of encounter like that previously i have not actually um she found me i i was i, I spoke to a trauma survivor she was a sexual abuse, assault survivor um she worked with horses and she met this woman um somewhere online and apparently she was able to she she's she's just a she's just an empath pretty much just very intuitive but she does and i think she reads people's energy and she also reads like animals energy um so I, yeah, I, I, I've never had an experience there um, with, with any type of mediums. Um, that was one of my first, uh, but I, I, I found her to be spot on, not necessarily at that moment, but 
I feel like she was she was telling me something. She felt something that she needed to tell me. And I mean, I can find there were pictures taken at, um, you know, in my grandmother's gravesite. And I can tell you that I was surrounded by statues. And when she said that, I'm like, what is she talking about? Um, but eight months later, it was like, oh, she, she had she had something there. And so that was really interesting for me. Wow. To, to read. So. I'm I'm really curious about your experience with interviewing other trauma survivors mm -hmm. and how that has impacted your healing process over the past couple of years. Because you said it was 2020 that you began mm -hmm. uh, Trauma Survivor Thriver and Authentic Insider. Well, Authentic Insider six months later, so January 2021. Okay was authentic insider. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because actually the woman who introduced me to the medium, she, she, her abuse happened more recently than mine. Um, and she hadn't, she didn't at that point had worked through it as well um, as I had continuously. Um, she just didn't have the means, which I, I, you know, I'm glad she found this woman. But when I was speaking to her, because I, I speak to trauma survivor thrivers, right? She was still working through what was happening. But what I learned is I asked, there, I, I asked questions, not on the podcast, just offline, that were triggering for her. Um, and so I learned that there's still a lot I need to learn in how to talk to trauma survivors. Mm -hmm. um, it's so different than talking to trauma survivor thrivers. They're con they're, they're, they've probably worked on their trauma for many years. And so in speaking with this person who, who had just experienced trauma within the last year or two and who hadn't been able to get the help, I, I found myself in a very difficult situation where I was like, I am really triggering this person right now. I don't, I thought I was, I thought I was able to speak to the, anybody about trauma, but there was still a lot that I needed to learn, which was great because she actually wrote a book, how to talk to a sexual assault slash rape sur survivor. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have to get your book. <laughs> and yeah, uh, um, there was just a lot there that I needed to unpack and, and, and learn. And, you know, it is difficult talking to somebody on your podcast. And, and now my podcast is live on Fireside Chat. Um, and so that's why I try to have questions available beforehand and make sure that they are comfortable speaking about certain things. Um, because the last thing you want to do is trigger someone, especially in, in a vulnerable spot where there are people who can ask questions, people who can, you know, who, who are hearing this live. Uh, it, it's really, you know, it, it, I still have a lot to learn. I think it's just constant learning, you know, mm -hmm. how, and, and people, people operate differently. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you made that distinction that you speak with trauma survivor thrivers. I mm -hmm. just kind of connected with me, um, I mean, this is should be obvious, I suppose, but how big that difference can be um, between just like getting through day to day, um, living with trauma versus being on the other side, living with it, but having all those coping mechanisms in place to have moved past it. 
Right. It sure doesn't seem like you have a lot of fear because you really, <laughs> you really put yourself out there in some pretty open situations. I mean, to do a live podcast, uh, to admit several times here on this podcast, kind of failings and, and, and whatnot. Uh, it's pretty commendable. Seems like you're doing a pretty good job in getting over or getting through those fears. The psilocybin. I am telling you, like I, I, I did a lot of work in there in, in residential treatment with somatic experiencing and all this integrative work, but it was, it wasn't as easy to connect it until after the psilocybin. Mm -hmm. Like that, it was just like, whoop, it like fused parts of my brain that was just like not connecting. And it was just like, this makes sense now. Um, and I, I do have fear. I'm working mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. It's still, it's a constant, it's a constant struggle. Um, but man, light years difference. What is it? There's, there's some kind of line that I'm searching for. Basically, there's, there's no one that doesn't experience fear. But there's a difference between people who experience fear and shy away from it and people who experience fear and have the courage to move through it. Yes. And that's like, that's what creates success. So as long as we're willing to do that continuously, then whatever we're doing will be successful. It may like our intentions may shift and not look like we, what we expected it to look like. But if we're willing to, you know, collect data, shift our perspective and change our behavior and learn and grow just like you're talking about doing with your children and everything else, then we will be successful. Yep. Yeah. I mean, is there a person on this planet that doesn't experience fear? I mean, I'd be interested to know who this well, person Wouldn't we all yeah. kind of just be like dead because <laughs> if we don't, and, if we don't feel. Probably the ones that pre pretend like they don't are the most terrified. Mm, I agree. Terrified of their fear being exposed. Mm, yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm still scared of some mighty mushrooms. I'm just like, what the fuck's going to happen? You know, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that one, that one that I had, like I was talking about, that was seven grams. It wasn't a huge dose for me. Just like hanging out on the beach, going to eat some mushrooms and have a good time. Just absolutely beyond terrifying. And yeah. so, you know, the power of this, sacrament or this medicine we, we just have to recognize that going in and hopefully give ourselves over to it as much as we can what do you do you have any kind of a handle on what you think your future work with the mushroom might look like do you expect to go back soon do you feel like you're going to need a lot of processing before you do I feel like I'm processing a lot right now I mean mm -hmm. it's only been two weeks and I mm -hmm. feel just like just overwhelmed with so much information that I need to integrate. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, you know, in talking to my therapist, you know, my my guide, you know, I I I feel that, you know, quarterly, like four times a year, you know, give myself a lot of time to be able to process. And you know, after it was after my first experience with mushrooms, it was it. In November, so four months later, I, I felt that I felt like I, I was ready. Mm -hmm. Like I right now, like if someone was like, "Hey, do you want to you want to do a, a, a session?" I'd probably be like, "I'm not ready," mm -hmm. um, because I think right now, 
it told me so much and I need to be able to process that before I'm able to, I, I think I'll know, I think I'll know. And, and so, you know, <laughs> probably in the next four months, maybe. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really, really thinking about kind of trying LSD. I think the, the mushrooms have told me a lot, but I'm, I'm kind of curious what, what the LSD wants to tell me. Have you um, ever worked with LSD? I did, I did as a child. I did when I was like 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because, you know, before my wedding with my to my husband, um, which was an amazing day, I would always say, man, that day when I was on LSD was literally the best day of my life. <laughs> like it was just everything. It was like everything that could go right went right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was just an incredible, incredible experience. And, and a little bit of me is like, I don't ever want to try it again because I don't want to like taint that, that, that memory of like how amazing that day was. Um, but then another part of me is just like, well, is it going to tell me something different? Is it going to show me something that, you know, the, the psilocybin won't show me, but I, I definitely, I, I plan to try I, I plan to continue working with, with psilocybin, but I think I, I'm, I'm very open to seeing how LSD will work with, you know, what it has to say. Did you notice how Eric, how Eric asked that? <laughs> uh, just, I'm just saying the, the big question I like that it. I have with LSD is how many best days of my life can I actually get? Right. Like, is it really endless? Can I have as many best days of my life as uh, days that I take LSD? Because that's yeah. what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, see, I, see, yeah. I, uh, I, I've, sa I've said for years, you know, I'm going to build my career on psilocybin and retire into LSD. <laughs> Just laughing. We were living in Jamaica. Uh, it was like, best. if there was any indicator that it was going to be a great day, it was like, I hear Eric say, uh, this is a good day to eat some LSD, right? <laughs> is anybody with me? Is anybody with me? <laughs> yeah, no, it's Any something I should not have on hand. That's probably uh, <laughs> um, uh, Psilocybin is my favorite. I love it. It has been so good to me and, and it's taught me so much and has brought so much healing into my life. And MDMA has been a beautiful, beautiful tool to work with as well. Um, but I never understand when people are like, oh, LSD lasts too long. I'm like, huh, what? You don't want 14 <laughs> hours of fucking bliss? Like, <laughs> I know. I'm like, whoa, no, no, it's going away. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that feeling. <laughs> so oh. it it sounds like you have a uh, someone to help you with integration. You mentioned a therapist or I what's do. your integration process? Yeah. Um, I, I work with a, um, a therapist. My integration is with an inter internal family systems therapist. Um, okay. So we work with the, the different parts of me that feel the, the extreme feelings or just any feelings. I don't know if you saw that movie Inside Out. Yes, I have seen that. Yes. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it's like all the different parts and how the different parts, even though in anxiety and fear and worry are like, just like you don't like those feelings. I think IFS, it, it teaches you how to work with them and why they're important and, mm -hmm. and how they can, they can work with your other parts that you're more in favor of, but to kind of keep them in harmony, harmony, because the thing is our part when during the psilocybin trip, 
those parts come up. So it's good to be familiar with those different parts and where like the, the anxiety, where did it stem from and finding that and healing that negotiating, like kind of like, it's like working with your inner child. Cause most of all of these feelings that we've, we experience come from an experience from our childhood. Um, so it's, it's pretty much healing that finding, finding the root to where those feelings came from and kind of healing that, that part, that root. So. I love do that. You, do you find yourself more able to reframe current experiences in a different light? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. Like, like after my first um, mushroom experience, I was like, I don't even recognize myself right now. <laughs> like I would really be mad at what's happening right now, but I'm like, I can move past this because it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. This has been a really great conversation. Yeah, I knew it would be. Yeah. Oh, I love talking to you guys. You guys are uh, just amazing. Amazing couple. I love the work that you guys are doing too. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. So let's, let's save some more conversation for another episode down the road here. Um, yeah. I'd love to have you guys on. Yeah. 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 You know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I mean, I can. Do you want to ask? No, you can ask. You can ask. All right. Laura Lee, what does yeah. Sylvan say to you? I believe, I believe, um, Sylvan tells me a lot of things, but I feel like <laughs> when it really comes down to it, 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 it tells me to just be, you know, be who I am authentically, not what society tells me to be, what not what my friends want me to be, not what my parents expected to me to be, not even what my negative experiences kind of dictate what I how I need to become. Um, I think it it just tells me to be, and what I love about it, what I love about the psilocybin, it says to just be, but it also shows me how, mm. and I think that. Mm. Is, is pretty powerful. Mm. This this whole <clears throat> being, right? There's a an entire vein of philosophy around the the verb to be, right? Etre in French, like it, it's more. I, I have found in back when I used to study French that exploring this concept of being was easier in that language because there was. There's just the ability to have a little bit more of a nuanced kind of experience with it. And this is also an interesting example of and something I was listening to this morning around Taoist philosophy in that. And it's also blends through into the quantum world that, you know, like like energy, you brought up energy. Right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> as soon as we say the word energy, we actually detract from what it means. Right what it is from its essence. And so this, this being, as we try to explore what it means to be, and then we look at all the different um, parts of ourself that are being simultaneously. And the more we try to be something, then the further we get away from, from being mm -hmm. right. So this, this just be is, I feel like one of the most powerful to get really like 
almost religious here, the most powerful manifestation of God, right? Or whatever we perceive of God and creation. The tree is not trying to do anything other than just be a tree. Mm -hmm. The dog is just being a dog. And yet we humans are trying to be something all the time. Yes. But when we just, just be, like you said, that's when we're most powerful. That's when we bring our gifts to the world. That's when we attract all of the goodness into our lives. So thank you for being and continue to just be Laura Lee. Mm, amen. I love what you just said there. That was amazing. Thank you. A lot of being. <laughs> yeah, I was just be, I was just being. I wasn't. I was just being. being. Why not? It it's is me. so. It's so serious. serious. I've, 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 been, I've been doing these. Live, That's the question. <laughs> That's the question. I've been doing these live uh, on psilocybin live streams, and what is really interesting, and I'm, you know, just maybe we'll wrap up on this because I know I can we can keep on talking. I'm sure, but I'm curious if maybe in your experience doing the live podcasts, I feel like I'm starting to get more comfortable in just being me. And the conversations and everything just goes better. And like I find myself actually saying things that have seemed to have more value because I'm just in that flow state of just mm -hmm. letting it go. And, and so as you switched over, just as kind of, you know, working in kind of a similar platform here, what have you found to be different or comparing your pre-recorded to your live recorded podcast? How's that? How's that compare? Exactly what you said. I feel like when I'm doing the live show, I'm not worried about, oh, did I say um a million times? You know, I, I and what and, and then I have then I edit and I'm like, I could just like just throw it all in there if I'm recording it and then I edit it. But um when I, when I have this opportunity to edit, I want to make it better um, mm. instead of just letting it be. <laughs> so, <laughs> so with the live, with the live shows, it's just, I just go with it. And I, I don't prep as much with the live shows. Um, you know, I used to provide a lot of questions for my guests and mostly because I'm working with, you know, trauma survivors. So I just want to make sure everyone's okay. And so I will, it, you know, in sending a draft say, you know, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? If so, we're just going to let the conversation flow freely. And that's basically what we do. Um, I have an intro and an outro and the conversation. I just let be. So, mm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we will make sure and post links to your show and all of your social media, et cetera, in our show notes. And uh, really grateful for you spending your time with us and all the work that you do and look forward to sharing all of your work with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You guys, I'm grateful to, to both of you. So thank you. Likewise. Have a wonderful day and look forward to talking with you again soon. All right. Talk Bye. soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And the beating of the drum.